Welcome everybody to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access and when it's the off season that means it's a draft Wednesday edition of the show. Yes, get excited. I love these drafts. Wednesday night draft tonight is actually coming out of our In the Lab podcast between Drew Doherty and myself. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We've got an awesome draft for you. Drew came up with this idea, and we're actually splitting up into four parts because we are drafting one player from every franchise to put together a 32-man full squad, eight picks at a time. Now, it sounds pretty easy. I'll take this guy, take that guy. But then you got to realize, wait a second, I got to put all these guys together. And then you got to figure out which teams are there very few players to pick. And that led me to the decision to take, well, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. You'll hear that in our next segment. I also, in our End of Lab podcast, we talked about players that could be available for the Texans as it sits right now with pick number 67. Who could be there? Well, there were some players that I saw at the Senior Bowl that I think could be there at 67 and I think end up making this Texans roster better by their addition. So players that could be there at 67, we'll do that later in the show as well. But we're going to kick it off with D.P. Sidhu, an interview she did with Jeff Reback of The Athletic. Been covering the Baltimore Ravens for a long time. So Jeff knows David Culley very, very well. Jeff and D.P. sat down to talk about the new head coach of your Houston Texans, David Culley. D.P., take it away. Jeff, the Texans announced that they've hired their fourth head coach in franchise history. It's David Culley. Uh, He was the assistant head coach, passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach for the Ravens for the past two years. So tell me what you know about him. John Harbaugh came out, high praise for Culley in his leadership, the energy that he brought to the team, his teaching abilities. What was it about him that made him so valuable to that Ravens organization, Jeff? I think, first of all, you know, you just feel happy for a guy like that, that, you know, has paid his dues, that's been around the NFL for a long time, um, that's, you know, worked for a ton of really good organizations and Super Bowl winning coaches and always been known as a loyal, hardworking, professional guy, versatile coach. You know, that's the first thing that jumps out to me. Uh, But what he meant to the Ravens, I mean, he just brought a, a sense of professionalism and leadership. Uh, he brought energy and, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to, you know, the father figure term gets thrown out too much, but uh, I really think he has a way of being able to relate to players and, uh, you, you know, and, and motivate guys and make sure the practice level, you know, the energy level in the practice fields up every week and, and you know, everybody's adhering to, you know, the details, and the finer points, just a, a very professional, energetic coach you know, who gets it, you know, who gets uh, how it should be done and, and you know, demands uh, professionalism stuff of his players. Yeah, you mentioned all the experience he has, 27 years in the NFL, about 15 years at the collegiate level. He also played quarterback at the collegiate level. So now that he's getting his first head coaching job at the age of 65, you know, what's sort of the reaction in Baltimore around Cully's leaving? A lot of people in Houston don't know much about Cully, but they're in Baltimore it seemed like on social media, just around the around the around the nation, there was a lot of 
positive energy and, and a lot of excitement for him. But, you know, what's the reaction been around the Ravens organization in Baltimore? Yeah, I exchanged a couple brief messages with John Harbaugh and he w- he was thrilled. He was at, you know, the exclamation points were flying. Uh, he was just really excited for David just because he's been one of those guys. He's been a loyal guy, a great organizational guy at so many places who worked his way up, paid his dues. And I think what you saw of the reaction kind of nationwide from people who have worked with him or come into come in contact with uh, David Cully, I think that was similar in Baltimore. I think the coaches and stuff just were thrilled for him. You know, you don't see stories like this happen too, too much anymore. And, you know, especially in this head coaching process here, uh, you know, with, you know, a lot of guys who haven't been around very often are kind of the new hot thing and, you know, the new offensive mastermind. And, it, you know, those are guys in, in a lot of the cases who are getting the jobs. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of people in Baltimore really pleased that a football lifer like that who's paid his dues and done things the right way and treated people right uh, gets an opportunity to lead a franchise. Was there any surprise that he wasn't being considered for more head coaching jobs over the course of his career? Is it just sort of the nature of the time that he came out in coaching and and all the hardships that black coaches have had to deal with? Or, you know, what what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, in some cases, you reach a certain age and it becomes harder and harder to get a job. I mean, you know, the Baltimore's dealing with this right now with their defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale. You know, he wouldn't even get an interview. No one even put in a slip to talk to him. Meanwhile, if you look over the stats since he's been the defensive coordinator and the Ravens are number one across that span in just about every category. And I think in a lot of ways, his age is held against him, Uh, you know, and it's probably also his affiliation with defense. You know, a lot of teams are looking for more of the offensive mind and stuff like that. Um, You know, so, you know, David Culley's been here for two years. Um, I can't tell you kind of what went on before that at his other stops. Uh, All I can tell you is everywhere he's been, people raved about him, players, coaches. And I also can tell you from the second he was here, John Harbaugh was saying that, you know, he's head coach caliber. You know, he can be a head coach right now. Um, So, uh, you know, you never know what holds certain guys back. But certainly it seems there's kind of an age bias at some point where it gets harder and harder to get a job with every year that passes by. Yeah, and you mentioned more offensive-minded coaches. Hopefully that's what David Culley brings since he was helping a lot on the offensive side of the ball. You and I chatted before the Ravens-Texans Week 2 matchup, and I asked you about Marquise Hollywood-Brown and the jump that he made. And Culley, now we know, obviously, was coaching wide receivers during during Brown's time in the league. So he sets a a franchise record, Brown that is, uh, seven receiving touchdowns. That was a franchise season record for a rookie. And then he made that big jump from year one to year two. How instrumental was Cully in his development? Obviously, Brown's a talented guy himself, but having a coach like Cully sort of guiding him and leading him along the way, where where would you place his role in Brown's development? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it has a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, David Cully was the guy who was working with him and, and, you know, the other receivers more than any other coach. And and he's very hands-on. You know, he's very demonstrative in a positive way. Um, and you see that with Marquise Brown and the others. You know, people are caught up about the Ravens having the 32nd ranked passing game and, and, and all that. But uh, the Ravens asked their wide receivers to do a lot more than not catch the, you know, than catch the ball. You know, it's a, it's a team that runs the ball more than any other team in the league by a wide margin. 
and receivers come in and they better block or they're not going to be on the field. And, and that's one of the things David Culley had to teach as well. You know, he had to get the receiving core to buy into the fact that, look, you're not going to get the targets that you're going to get in other places around the league. You know, to get on the field, you're going to have to bust your butt and block down fields. Um, and you're probably not going to get the, uh, you know, the, the targets you would like. So uh, that group pretty much bought in for back-to-back years. I mean, they've set up, set all sorts of uh, run records. And, you know, that's not just the running backs and the offensive line. That's partly because the, uh, you know, wide receivers blocked down field. And, and Cully was certainly instrumental in kind of hammering home that mindset and making sure everyone was on the same page. Well, I saw the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff at the Pro Bowl uh, a ways back and Deshaun Watson was there as well. So Deshaun obviously has a little bit of a history with Cully. Not a lot, but Cully's worked with guys like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Everyone knows the situation in Houston is is pretty precarious right now with, yeah. with all the news surrounding Watson. So, you know, how does Cully's experience with guys like Lamar Jackson and, and the other quarterbacks he's worked with and his just his relationship building skills how much will that come into play here in Houston? How much do you think that helps the situation? Yeah, you you hope it does. You know, you hope it does. At least they're not, you know, um, I was at the Pro Bowl too. Um, I wasn't staying at the team hotel where these guys kind of kicked back and probably had their, you know, got to know everybody and had their most in-depth conversations. But it's a real light, you know, light environment. I'm sure a bunch of these guys got to know each other. So the relationship isn't starting uh, from uh, square one, you know, uh, you know, it's more of a reintroduction rather than an introduction, which is good. And, the, you know, the, the when it, the word filtered out that he was going to be the head coach, I mean, the first two you know, words I thought of were steady hand, you know, I think David Culley has a steady hand. He knows how to relate to people and and he knows how to talk to people professionally and sort of galvanize people. And, uh, you know, you, you hope that helps in that situation. I'm not going to sit here from Baltimore and act like I know all what's going on in Houston. Um, obviously, I read the reports like everyone else. But, um, you know, if you want a guy kind of to be that steady hand to come in with a calm, professional demeanor, bring positivity, um, you know, I, I think uh, he's a good choice in, in those areas for sure. All right. Well, you've covered the Ravens for many, many years. You've covered David Culley for the last two. So before I let you go, any stories or tidbits or anything that really jumps out to you about David Culley? Well, well, two things come to mind. One, you know, I'm sure you guys have been in the same situation, too, where you walk out on the field for training camp early. I don't know what time the Texans practice. The Ravens usually practice pretty early. And it was almost without fail. Cully was the first voice you heard, you know, he was always coaching, always, you know, having fun talking to guys and just being really demonstrative in a positive manner. And, and that's what, you know, that's one of the things that kind of struck me, just the energy level and, and, and the positivity that stands out. And then the other thing was just kind of different. Um, I, f- I forgot the exact situation, but this past summer, you know, everybody's availability was a little bit off with the COVID. I'm sure you guys had the same. And there's one day where John Harbaugh wasn't available. It wasn't his turn to speak to the media afterwards, but it was, you know, they bring up assistance periodically and David Culley, it was his day. And Lamar Jackson happened not to be on the field, which when the starting quarterback's not practicing, it always gets attention, especially when the guy's the reigning MVP. And I just remember them putting Culley up and I'm like, this Poor guy. He's going to get barraged with questions about where Lamar is and and what's going on. And he handled it great. He handled it like a head coach, you know, and and he said the right things. I'm sure he was the organization was pre pleased with kind of how he put out the fire while handing it professionally. 
he he conducted the press conference like he was a head coach. And, and you know, obviously, uh, we don't want to make too much of ourselves here, but dealing with the media is a part of the job. I mean, it is a fr- it can be a, a frustrating part of the job for head coaches. So uh, he showed me in that area that, you know, he's calm, positive, and, and that kind of came across in that interview. And I, I was kind of really impressed how he handled it. Great stuff there from Jeff Zrebeck of The Athletic and, of course, our own D.P. Sidhu. Coming up, I told you it's Draft Wednesday. It is the Wednesday night draft. Drew Doherty and myself, mano e mano, or is it mano a mano? I never know. Either way, we're going head-to-head, 32 teams, 32 draft picks. It starts next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access, and it's a Draft Wednesday edition, which means Drew and I are going in the lab for one of my favorite in-the-lab drafts that we have ever done. We're doing this in four parts because there are 32 picks we have to make. Here are the first eight. I'll let Drew take it from here. It's time to draft. Oh, yeah. We've got 32 picks. It starts now. You get to go first. Oh, yes. Yeah. One player per franchise. My, th- this one's very easy to me. Go for it. Very easy because it is, to me, a priority position in the league. It's with a team where I struggled to find players. Mm-hmm. Really, what I was going to do, and you give me the first pick, to me, it's a drop-dead lock. It's got to be Anthony Munoz, the Cincinnati Bengals, the left yes. tackle. You go with Munoz right off the bat. Yeah. Bengals. Good choice. Ooh. All right. I had no idea what I was doing with the Bengals at all. And that just that, that handles it. So I feel good. All right. Yeah. So in that regard, in a similar situation, oof, it's really kind of tricky and really kind of tough. Yeah. But I'm going to go to Atlanta, and I'm going to take Deion Sanders off the board. Ooh, that's a good one. it. That's a good one because I – that's another – it, it, the, the one part of this was the franchise is trying to figure out. That's the like, beauty. Oh, man. Beauty. Okay. You're going the same way I'm going. So. Yeah. To a degree. Now, I also feel like there's a position that is probably more difficult than others. Now, left tackle is easy, but Cincinnati, to me, was hard. One team that has no issue as far as having plenty of players. But I think they have the greatest player this position and that's why I'm taking Larry Allen of the Dallas Cowboys at offensive guard. Solid. Yeah. You can see my you can see how I'm building. I'm building with my lines. And so that's why I'm going with those two. And I'm yeah. staying fairly true to my board. Fair, I'm I say go, fairly true. <laughs> fairly true. I'm gonna go to the New York Giants. And I'm taking LT, man. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So, so LT's off the board. Oh, man. I think I have the best corner and the best yeah. pass rusher right, right there. And it's tough because those two franchises, I think you're taking steps down after those two guys. Yeah, I, I, well, there's no question. Not to say I they're feel, great players, but I think those guys are like yeah. crop. And we should, with our first two picks, we should feel like Anthony Munoz, Larry Allen, two of the best offensive linemen best offensive line is it. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and do it right now because I do think when it comes to our franchise, I'm going to force you into having to make a decision on our franchise. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it and take Justin James Watt 
from the Houston Texans as one of my defensive linemen, edge rushers, however you want to do it. J.J. Watt is now a Houston Harris. No argument. I, that's who I would have chosen first from the Texans, simply because best player in the uh, league defensively. Yeah. As voted by the, the, uh, the folks three years, I think you could have made mm-hmm. a case for yeah. um, the 13th season too, even though it was a bad year. Okay. I have like a list and then I have a list. Mm-hmm. I had a list of just guys that I definitely want on my team no matter yeah. what. Yeah, you did the same way I did. Yep. And then I've got another list each franchise. And so I'm going to go back to my list and I'm going to go to the Cleveland Browns and I'm going to take the guy that my dad has always maintained mm. is the best yep. football player of all time. Not the best quarterback but the best football player of all time, Jim Brown. So I'm going to go with uh, him. It's a good one. He was amazing back in the day. Yeah. Retired early. Could have kept going. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was just – he was insane. Back when Sports Century – ESPN did that Sports Century series at the end of the last century. I think he was fourth maybe on the uh, all-time list. So I'm going to go with Jim Brown. That's that's pretty – It makes it tougher on you choosing a Brown. I guess you got to go yeah. with Baker Mayfield now. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to reach way back, but I think I have one for the Browns. And since you've taken a Brown, I don't have to worry uh, about you taking a guy like Ozzie Newsome. So I could still get a Hall of Famer at tight end, which I've I've thought about. But you know, there are certain positions that I, I look at and go, "All right, where do I feel like is the best?" And then I thought about 2014, and I'm like, man, what if the Texans had drafted with the number one pick, Aaron Donald? Good choice. For Rams. So I'm going to make it happen. I'm putting a defensive tackle along with J.J. Watt and That's think good. about what could have happened. I'm putting Aaron Donald with J.J. Watt of the Texans. So thus far, I've gone lines. Anthony Munoz left tackle. Larry Allen, Cowboys at guard. And then the great J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald together. So I've got two Hall of Famers and two active players that eventually will make the Hall of Fame. And amongst the two of us in four – we made four picks yet. You haven't made yours yet. So seven picks thus far. Three of them are the three players that have won Defensive Player of the Year three times. That's pretty amazing. Pretty good. All right. I'm going to go back to the well uh, up front. I'm like you. you got to be good up front. And I think we're waiting – we're kind of dancing around the quarterback here. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to dance. I'm not taking a quarterback yet. I'm going to go back to the team that broke my heart so many times as a young lad. Loved them so much. Lots of choices of players you could take. But I'm going to take a guy who you can argue, I don't think he is, but you can argue is the greatest oiler of all time. Ooh. Most people are going to say Earl Campbell, understandably so. I'm going to yeah. go with a guy because I think there's a lot of great running backs that you could cycle in there with Earl. And I might choose him – well, no, I can't because I'm doing this. But I'm going with Bruce Matthews because yep. he can play anywhere. He was pro bowler at all five positions up front. But I'm going to choose him. So it's that – I can't take look. any Titans. I can't take any more Oilers. Yeah. But I'd like yeah. to take Earl Campbell. I've pretty much given him to you if you want. <laughs> You know, the thing about running back, I, I, you know, I don't want to lose the opportunity for running backs, but I just feel like there are some options at running back. There sure are. So I, so I, don't, I, don't, feel, uh, I don't feel horrible about that. I'm going to stick with the, 
I'm going to stick with the lines and go back to the offensive line on this one. Okay. Because I watched this guy growing up, and I felt like before he was injured, he was the greatest center that ever lived. I'm going to the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take Dwight Stevenson at center. Good choice. Yeah, his last year in the league was 1987. He was an all-pro, and he'd been all-pro, I think, the previous four years before that. So Yeah. And so – that takes my dolphin off the board. And, you know, it's interesting because I had a, I mean, I had a bunch of dolphins that I had written down like that I wanted to, you know, have on my board. And, I was like, and then I wrote Stevenson. I was like, no, I, I've got to get – I've got to get him. Because after that, for centers, I mean, look, there are some options. There's no doubt. There's a great one. I don't want to give you any ideas. <laughs> but I felt like with Miami, I wasn't – Marino was not going to be my guy. And then I was like, where else would I go with Miami? And that, 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 that hit me. Uh, and I'll go that way. Zach Thomas would have been another guy I'd look at a linebacker just because of how productive he was. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yes. I think, I think it's – There's no question. I think it's an no oversight question. right now that he, he should yep. be in the Hall of Fame. It was really cool. When I was in Lubbock, uh, I was there from 2005 to 2009. 06, 07-ish, uh, during that Dolphins bye week, the, the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce had him back, had Zach Thomas back, and they honored him. And it was a massive turnout. He was there. Jason Taylor was there. A few other Dolphins. I think Wes Welker was back. Cause yeah. I believe it was 06 because he would have been still with the Dolphins. Yes. It was really cool. Cool, uh, cool thing there. Okay. Um, Seattle is a tricky franchise. Yes. So is Steve Largent, and, and you wouldn't be wrong going there with wide receiver. But I like their left tackle. I want to be good up front. It's and good. I think this – Chester Pitt, so I'm with every Sunday at home when the Texans play a game, and he comes on the shows a couple times in the offseason. He played left guard. He started out as a left tackle, knows how tough it is to play offensive line in the NFL, and he is adamant about Walter Jones being the greatest left yeah. tackle of all time. He says it's not even a debate. And I tried to debate him and, and say Anthony Munoz, he wouldn't have any of it. That's, that's for another time. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor Chester's pick here. This is kind of a, a proxy pick. And I'm going to go with Walter Jones, and I'm going to eliminate my Seahawks choice off the board. So I've Good. got an offensive line of Matthews and Walter Jones so far. Boy, that is – that's pretty good. Now, I'm going to go to a team that I, I felt like was – I felt like very tricky, even though they've been around for 60-some-odd years. Well, but I think I know I still, where you're going. I started thinking about them going, man, what am I going to do from the Vikings? And I just – You like, have about 31 ch- opportun- uh, like availabilities. Here. They, that was a really tough one. They have so many great, great players. Right. And then I started thinking, all right, where did they have a great player where I feel like I can kind of continue with my theme in some sense? And – I, I'm, I'm literally going one of two ways. But in my heart of hearts, I do feel like because of what I've done with the defensive line, I don't have to go there. So I'm going to go with guard, Hall of Fame guard, and I think one of the better ones ever, Randall McDaniel from the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to put him opposite Larry Allen. I was always a big fan of Randall McDaniel, the Hall of Fame offensive guard. So my offensive line has really – has really come come into view. But, I, you know, Drew, I struggled. And I don't know, maybe that's just because I grew up as a Packers fan uh, and just hated the Vikings. But 
there was one guy I considered, but then I was like, I, we talked about this earlier. Randy Moss, is he a Viking? Is he a Patriot? Like, what is he? And so I wanted to stay true to the franchise aspect of things. And so I went with McDaniel, who spent his majority, the majority, if not all of his career, uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. And I know that my man, Tyler Sudarth is like, yeah, forks up, baby, Sun Devil, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know. So he's happy with that. So there we go. All right. Another franchise that's been around a long time and has had a lot of great players, and they won a lot of championships, but they haven't done it since Eisenhower was president, I think, the Detroit Lions. Mm, yeah. Now, I already took a running back. I took Jim Brown. Yeah. yeah oh, I'm tempted here, but instead, I'm going to go with a wide receiver. You are. Oh. Alvin Johnson. I think he's one of the best Lions of all time. And I don't have a big playmaking pass catcher yet, so I'm going to get – Megatron. I still don't know how we stopped him in the second half in 2016. <laughs> yeah. Because everything he did in the first half was like with ease. And yeah. I thought he was going to have seven touchdowns that day. I mean, he just went to town. So the lines are off the board for me. Yeah, lines off the board for you. Now, off the board for me Bengals, Cowboys, Dolphins, Vikings, Texans, Rams. In doing this exercise, one of the things that you think about are your most recent franchises because those obviously, mathematically, would seemingly have fewer players that you would want to just grasp onto, and that's, that's the guy. Yep. So I got to finish my offensive line. So this one to me was easy because I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And he was actually a Texan for a period. My final pick, and I will move him over to right tackle, and I feel okay with that. No, you got, you got one more. This is seven. One, two. Three. Yeah, I know. Oh. But I'm finishing my offensive line by oh, adding okay. Tony Baselli to my line. My two tackles are from USC. Both of them played in the AFC. <laughs> but I wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do with Jacksonville, even though I lived there, and I know they've had some players. I just felt like there wasn't anybody other than – to me, Baselli's the greatest Jaguar there's been. Mm -hmm. I think he should go into the Hall of Fame. It should be in the Hall of Fame. And I feel like he should have gone in with this crew, but he's not. But I wasn't sure exactly where I would go with the Jags. And so I was like, you know what? Baselli's the best Jaguar there's been. Finishes my offensive line. I feel good about that. Away we go. So now you have to, you have to decide on somebody from Jacksonville. Well, I know where I'm going to Jacksonville. It's easy. I, I'm, I'm going to wait. I don't need to do that now. But the Eagles, is a, that's a franchise that's tough. And because uh, they've had a lot of great players, but I think the drop off after this guy is pretty substantial. So I'm going to go with Reggie White from the Eagles, Minister of Defense. So I've got Reggie, I've got Lawrence Taylor. Now that's a weird defense. What are you going to run? You're going to run a three, four, four, three. I don't think it really matters. Who cares? Send any of that. So I'm going with Reggie White. All right. Uh, you can't take him from the Packers, but I didn't think you would. No. And that's who I'm going to go with. Okay. Back your quarterback, bro. Yeah. So I'm going back to the thought of most recent franchises um, because to me, trying to trying to find all time players in some sense from a particular franchise gets pretty difficult, especially after Baselli. I know you probably have one. I 
I actually have one that I could have gone with that might have been shocking, and I think he actually should be up for the Hall of Fame, but that, I'll leave that for a different time. And when you go to Jacksonville, you actually see him doing uh, the, the Chester Pitts thing with uh, like Chester does with you up on the board. You see him there, uh, but I don't want to give you any ideas, but he's a running back. You've already got a running back. So I'm going to the Carolina Panthers. And so at this point, Please I'm thinking, yeah, I met him in 2011 at the Lombardi Awards. Ugh. I thought he was absolutely awesome. I loved him. I'm glad yeah. he ended up in Carolina. He was my nephew's and niece's favorite player. Everybody loves Luke Keekley. I'm adding the smartest defensive player ever. You don't get all – I have Luke Keekley, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt. I feel very good about what I'm doing. Take the Carolina Panthers off the board. And, look, you're, you're not dead in the water with Panthers, but Panthers and Jags. Yeah. I know who you could go with the Panthers, and it actually would be a very, very good pick. Because, like you said when we started all this, you've got other jobs on a football team that you've got to get taken care of. And if you can do it with more than a player, or do the, more jobs with one player, then you're going to be sitting pretty. So that was my eighth pick of the day, Luke Keekley from the Carolina Panthers. That's a good one. All right, you got, you got one me. left. You got me. So we're going to just do eight today. I like this. Originally I said, hey, let's do 16, but we can break this up over four, and yeah. uh, this is going to be pretty easy to do as far as, like, setting it up and making it go and, and all that other stuff. But I've got a great right tackle – or, excuse me, a great left tackle – and I think yes. I'm going to start, start to round out my offensive line. As you know, I went to SMU. Uh, I was Ooh. there yeah. in pretty, pretty lean times. Not the leanest SMU times, but they were pretty lean. The Texas, the, they, they had losing seasons. My freshman, junior, and senior years uh, went six and five as a sophomore. Played in the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was our home stadium. We never played in a bowl game, but – the home stadium back then for the, the SMU Mustangs was the Cotton Bowl. And as you know, the Cotton Bowl seats, what, 70,000, 80,000? Yeah. We would routinely pack 16,000 on a good day. So, crawl <laughs> out and kick your legs up. And uh, didn't see too many great players come through. Chris Fumatamafala, Brian mm-hmm. Urlacher, I think they were some guys that we saw. Yeah. But one of the greatest SMU Mustangs of all time to play – he came back and was the first coach after the death penalty to kind of get them back on their feet, did an admirable job there. But this guy was a hell of a football player for the Green Bay Packers. He was a right tackle. He's in the Hall of Fame. Many say he's maybe the, one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. I'm going to go with Forrest Gregg. So I've got Forrest Gregg. I've got Walter Jones over at left tackle. I've got Bruce Matthews, sort of Roman wherever. He's, we're yeah. going to figure out a spot for him in the guard, center guard spot. But I'm going with Forrest Gregg. And I'm going to give you lots of options when we start picking again for the Packers. But to reiterate, your line, you started off with Anthony Munoz of the Bengals. Love it. you got Larry Allen from the Cowboys. That was your second pick, offensive lineman. Your third pick with J.J. Watt, the Texans. He's a a versatile guy. He can play end. He can do a lot of things. Play on the inside. We know that. You went with Aaron Donald. Man, you got Watt and Donald, two greatest defensive players of this decade. And then uh, after that, you had Stevenson, Dwight Stevenson, the center, all pro from the Dolphins. Randall McDaniel, all pro guard from the Vikings. 
You got Tony Baselli of the Jaguars. You took, I think he's probably the greatest Jaguar. You took him off the board. And then you wrap things up with probably the greatest Panther. And that was who I was going to pick, Luke Keekley at linebacker. That's a good, good unit. You've got a good start there, John. Neither of us have picked a quarterback yet. Yeah. And there's still time for that. I don't want to say that it's in this exercise. I feel like this was the, that's the most, that's the easiest position to pick. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in that because I feel like I can go a lot of different ways with that particular pick. There are a couple of franchises I'm struggling with. Oh yeah. Where do like, mm, where do I want to, where do I really want to go with this? And back to quarterback, there's two franchises. I'll say three actually that I've looked at that I would really like to choose that quarterback, but they have perhaps the greatest player at their position at another spot. And in two cases, they've got two greater, two other players. So I can't go wrong. Like once one of us chooses one of these players, it's going to make it easier. You know, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm out of the Matt shop business, Tony Banks, um, Brock Osweiler, because I took J.J. Watt, so, I, you know. But, um, you know. Disrespectfully, you didn't say Sage Rosenfels. Yeah, yeah, Sage, sorry. Um, right, Sage. Yeah, by taking Larry Allen, I'm out of the Tony Romo, Roger Staubach, Dak Prescott, you know, Cowboys, Cowboys business. But I feel like when I look at – I mean, no, no quarterback was taken. So, I look at my top – I just wrote down my top six. And you can go – I mean, man, you can go – however however far you want to to be honest with you because we haven't taken one so i that that to me is the biggest curiosity is how that will unfold and i i just got to make sure i don't pin myself into a corner because i just look at a couple of franchises and go man i don't know Mm -hmm. i really i really don't know so so i gave the rundown of yours yeah what's yours i went deon sanders from the falcons lawrence taylor from the giants i think i got the greatest cover corner and one of the greatest pass rushers of all time then I got uh, Jim Brown from the Browns, Bruce Matthews from the Oilers, Walter Jones from the Seahawks, Calvin Johnson from the Lions, Reggie White from the Eagles, and Forrest Gregg from the Packers. So I like where I'm sitting. You like where you're sitting. I think you're the first. There is no loser in this game. There's no. No, no. I think I think people will think will look at yours and and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Dion Lt. Jim Brown. You got the Jim Brown. You know, because people are familiar uh, with them. I went with the – I'm going to build my offensive line. That's So, you know, people are like, well, oh, you took Tony Baselli. Of course, here in Houston, because Tony Baselli is some kind of bad word in, in Houston. There's a strategy to this, and you're following, yeah. I think, a sound strategy. You're, yeah. you're, you're getting, like, the tough franchises out of the way. Yeah. Now, there are still a few to handle, but I look at it and go, I've got multiple names for all my franchises. Oh, and also, like you said, we still have to draft a punter and a kicker. So I think we might draft a punter from the same franchise, to be honest. But that's uh, – I don't want to give anything away, but we could. We'll see. See, I took my punter off the board when I took Reggie White because I was thinking about taking ah. – Randall. I'm not joking. I, I was thinking about taking Randall Cunningham. Oh, yeah. I like, too. late in this process, but I was like, uh, he's too dang good. I'm not no, – don't, don't, don't. So I, I might have just given you an idea. Um, no, I, no. I, I mean, listen, we, I'm thinking about this. I split up my team, 15 offensive players, 15 defensive players, and two specialists. That's how I split it up. So there's well, room also, for – You've also got your long snapper out of the way because J.J. Watt is, yes. at times has been on the depth chart now like 
not high on the depth chart, but like the third long yeah. snapper, he's capable of doing that. So I got a lot. I, I feel with my offensive line in place, uh, a lot, I think Stevenson can handle that, and, and we'll go from there. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think the next eight through sixteen becomes really interesting, and I want to see. My curiosity is how you will attack the younger franchises, the Texans, the Panthers, the Jags, how you go about looking at those franchises. That's going to be interesting to me who you draft. Ooh, this is going to be fun, but I like my offensive line, how it's come together. Now I got to start getting my skill players mixed in. I'm going to have a pretty salty team up front. There's no doubt about that. All right, when we get back, Drew and I also talked about players that have the potential to be where the Texans are picking right now at 67. We had on a few of them that I saw at the Senior Bowl. Do that next right here in Texans All Access. A draft Wednesday edition. Wednesday edition. Wednesday edition. Wednesday. We'll find a segment this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And the Texans had one transaction day. They actually added a Quesenberry to the roster. No, not David, who was with the Texans originally, who I had a chance to interview, not Scott, the middle brother, who I also interviewed at the Senior Bowl, but Paul, tight end, who built the Patriots. He is now a Houston Texan. Glad to see him here. And hopefully, I'll get a chance to complete the trifecta of Quisenberry interviews, interviewing Paul at some point. But Paul Quisenberry, a Houston Texan. Okay, he's added. There will be rookies added and the first one as it sits now is at number 67 in the draft. Drew asked me this week who I thought were some of the players that could potentially be there at that spot in the 2021 draft. There are a lot of different ways to go with this. From the senior bowl, there were a couple of guys that I really enjoyed uh, watching, and I felt like, man, they would be really good. There's We've talked a lot about this offensive line. I don't think the offensive line played up to its capability last year. There were some moving parts, then some injuries, all that kind of stuff. So, to me, and there's been some talk about what to do on the interior, I thought there were, there were three players at the Senior Bowl that I think could, could be around at 67. One probably more intriguing than the others. But the two names people may know, number one is Trey Smith from out of Tennessee. Now, to me, he's a top 20 talent. But there have been a lot of different things that have happened to Trey Smith. He's had some medical issues, some injuries. I think that's sort of kind of stunted his progress over the years and really kind of kept him from hitting his ceiling. And I think he is a top 15, top 20 talent. But – I think he might get into that third round because he just hasn't kind of polished up his full game. So Trey Smith, a guard from Tennessee, who is a, a, a I really like him. Mm-hmm. I just don't know whether he's going to fall. Teams are going to fall in love with him because of all the issues that he has had. The other one is Creed Humphrey from out of uh, Oklahoma. He's played a lot of football in the Big Twelve. He's a former wrestler, and when you watch him, you're kind of like. Yeah, okay. And then you keep watching, you're like, yeah, man, wow, okay. And you will keep watching, you're like, boy, he's really good. Yeah, he's very good. And that was kind of the way I felt at the Senior Bowl. I've seen him play a lot. And I texted a buddy of mine right before the Senior Bowl started, and I said, I said, what do you think about Creed Humphrey? I said, I can't figure it out. He goes, he's like, kind of like you. Kind of couldn't figure it out. The more I watched him at the Senior Bowl, the more it was like, 
the way he played Oklahoma. And I think Creed could be around at the top of the third round. Now, I do think he maybe sneaks in the back in the second, but he's a center. And I don't know that teams are going to get all uh, excited about a center in the first couple of rounds. And so maybe Creed is there at 67. Now, the third guy is wait, was wait, also – Wait, 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 save it, save it, dude. We, we don't want to go all the way. We, we don't want to shoot all our bullets at once, man. And I want to say a little something about Creed. Okay. A, he's a center and he wore 56. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Normally that's like a, a linebacker that's a dude that's wearing that. Yeah. I like that. And then Creed Humphrey, is he better than Creed Bratton? Ooh, now that's a good question. On the field, yes. With a guitar, no. Working at Dunder Mifflin, yes. Working a website, probably not. So there's all that. Now, the one I wanted to get to, Drew, is this last one, is a guy I think that – and it's funny because I thought about you a lot because, first of all, just a whale of a football player. But also I thought about Drew's dozen with Quinn Miners from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Make sure you put the whitewater part on there. We talked about him last week. Yes. And he is I – love, I, I love this guy. I love watching him, Drew. I think people at the Senior Bowl fell in love with him. And his story, t- to me, is kind of interesting because we see players from big schools all the time. They declare early. The Penn States, the Ohio States, the USC's, the Texas. These guys go three years, and then they, they declare, right? So, Miners declared early from Wisconsin Whitewater. And it really it caught my attention one day because somebody that I follow on Twitter tweeted out essentially like, hey, this guy has declared from a D3 school early for a 2021 draft. Mm-hmm. I was like and – the, and the tweeter was kind of like incredulous, like, what is he doing? So I went and I found some tape, and I'm like, oh, my God. This guy puts everybody on their backs. He is fun. Well, I mean – and then I'm like, okay, look. It's D3, eh, nah. But then I kept watching. I was like, he keeps doing it to everybody he plays. He's driving guys 10, 12, 15 yards downfield. Then I heard he's going to the senior ball. I was like, oh, I'm excited about this. And, Drew, he did the same thing. He was going against Patrick Jones from Pitt. And Patrick Jones tried to work a move called the cross chop. And it's kind of this chopping kind of – and one basketball maneuver, kind of all in one. It's really kind of become the, the rage for a lot of really good, agile pass rushers. And Jones tried to work this move on Miners, and Miners put him in the turf. And I was like, whoa. And, I mean, that was just one of many. Uh, and he wore his shirt up the whole time. Like, He's got a gut. He showed, he showed belly. Like, it didn't matter. <laughs> his belly. And he loved it. And he had a, a, one of the funniest moments of senior ball. I was watching from afar, and I watched the running back walk up to him, and they can tell they were talking. And then I see the running back kind of point, like point. And then you see Miners kind of grab his belly. So the running back was kind of pointing at his belly. <laughs> and Miners just kind of grabbed it, you know, kind of like the old Philly fanatic would do, and shook it. And I was just like, that's awesome. And that, that's really awesome. So I think those guys can be around. And there, there are obviously a few other names. We can hit that in future weeks. But those are the interior linemen that I think could be there around 67. I will not hold back my – Love of Quinn Miners. He is absolutely fabulous to watch on a football field. And his belly, just a superstar. You'll love him when you see him. And I hopefully, 
Uh, I hope one day he'll become a Texan. It would be fun if that's the case. A big thanks to Jeff Zrebeck of the, of the Athletic in Baltimore, to D.B. Sidhu, to Drew Doherty. We'll see you next time, everybody, and as always, go Texans.